Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811 Mr. Producer, what's with all these hosts taking off on Friday? Are they taking off for Shabbat? The Jewish Sabbath? I don't understand. <laughs> ay, 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 it's too much going on, folks. 18 days away. Crucially important. You know, there's a guy, Matthew Dowd. He was a Republican operative. Now I think he's either an independent or Democrat. He's a very low IQ. But he's on MSNBC often because he attacks Republicans. And he's a vile, very stupid man, as are many of his ilk, Nicole Wallace, uh, a couple of the others whose names escape me, and that's a good thing. But I want you to hear what he said about you. It's really amazing to me. Cut three, go. I'll remind people, too, of a history lesson that there in the 1930s Germany, there was a candidate and there was a party that said they were going to do something about inflation. And they did do something about inflation. Inflation went away, but so did the democracy in Germany. In, in, in the 1930s up until 1945. I mean, I think the problem is twofold. It's, to me, it's really twofold. All right, that's, that's, that's enough, really. That's a turnoff right there. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, he wants to remind us. He wants to remind us that if Republicans are speaking out against inflation, or you are, whether you're Republican or not, it reminds him of the 1930s and the Third Reich and the rise of the Third Reich because, you see, the Nazis, he says, promised they were going to do something about inflation. And they did. And he destroyed democracy. How stupid is this man? 
Perhaps he's not familiar with Mein Kampf. Perhaps he's not familiar with Kristallnacht. Perhaps he's not familiar with any of it, because he's clearly not. And for a loser lowlife like this to be throwing around Nazi Germany to imply, if not worse, that this is the 1930s because of the Republicans. Why is he not dragged off TV? Is he not a Kanye West of kinds? I think he is. I think he is. But there's a lot of stuff going on out there, different degrees of stupidity, different degrees of, well, I don't know what you call it. The Federalist was a site I used to read often. I guess I'll read it less and less. I used to read John Daniel Davidson. In fact, I used to quote him on the air here. Pretty sharp dude. Never met him, don't know him, don't know what he used to do. And here's a headline at the Federalist called, and I'm not going to make this personal, I'm just going to address it. We need to stop calling ourselves conservatives. It doesn't really say what we should call ourselves. I don't know. What should we call ourselves? Kumquats? It's like the left. You guys, quit calling yourself guys. We need pronouns. We need this. We need this. Change the language. There's in bold above his his picture and his name, the conservative project has failed. And conservatives need to forge a new political identity that reflects our revolutionary moment. Now, I read this piece, as I read a piece similar to this a week or two ago in the same, well, the same site. And I found it to be pretty much a mush. Confusing conservatives with Republicans. And really telling a very condensed story to try and support his hypothesis. Why? Because the conservative project, he says, has largely failed and it's time for a new approach. Conservatives have long defined their politics in terms of what they wish to conserve or preserve. Individual rights, family values, religious freedom and so on. Conservatives, we are told, want to preserve the rich traditions and civilization and civilizational achievements of the past pass them on to the next generation and defend them from the left. In America, conservatives and classical liberals alike rightly believe and a Senate left wants to dismantle our constitutional system and transform America into a woke dystopia. The task of conservatives going back many decades now has been to stop them. In an earlier era, this made sense. There was more to conserve, but any honest appraisal of our situation today renders such a definition absurd. And all what have conservatives succeeded in conserving, after all? In just my lifetime, they have lost much. Marriage, as it has been understood for a thousand years. The First Amendment, any semblance of control over our borders, a fundamental distinction between men and women, and especially of late, the basic rule of law. So conservatives lost this, ladies and gentlemen. Conservatives are responsible for losing this. Did you know that? A conservative Supreme Court was responsible. Conservative presidents were responsible. Conservative Congresses were responsible. Conservative Republicans were responsible. Really? 
This guy's pissing up the wrong tree, if you ask me. Calling oneself a conservative in today's political climate would be like saying one is a conservative because one wants to preserve the medieval European traditions of arranged marriage and trial by combat. Whatever the merits of those practices, you cannot preserve or descend something that is dead. Perhaps you can retain a memory of it or knowledge of it, but that is not what conservatism was purportedly about. It was about maintaining traditions and preserving Western civilization as a living and vibrant thing. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's a difference between principles and philosophy versus strategy and tactics. And again, they're commingled here. Look at just a few examples, as I pointed out before. The entire school choice movement was hatched in a meeting with Milton Friedman and a number of legal groups, including Landmark Legal Foundation and Institute for Justice. Litigation that took a decade in a number of states, but starting in Wisconsin with Polly Williams as the key as the key plaintiff. Two major cases that went to the Supreme Court took many years, both of which were won. Cases that went to the Supreme Court of Wisconsin, cases that were won. Then it took the Republicans to endorse school choice, which they finally did under Donald Trump. Is that a conservative failure? If Republican governors won't embrace it even today, certain Republican governors, if you have a Larry Hogan or a Baker in Massachusetts or a Romney and so forth, does that mean conservatism is responsible? I think this is a childish, even foolish point. We have today, as I said the other day, a movement called Convention of States. I'm intimately involved with this movement. Mark Meckler and the guys and the gals. There's over 5 million members involved. Hundreds of thousands of activists. 19 states have already approved it. There's nothing in this article about any of that. Not a word. Well, who's responsible for it? The Federalist? The Rhinos? The Republican Party? No. Conservatives, traditionalists, constitutionalists. The battles day in and day out over the court system, which has been a target of the left for over a century. Tremendous progress was made under Ronald Reagan. Tremendous progress made under Donald Trump. And so we now get a decision, the Dobbs decision, that we've been aching for for half a century. Well, who did that? Who's responsible for that? The Tea Party movement was a conservative movement. The Reagan Revolution was a conservative movement. These are activist movements. The base of the Republican Party that is activist is a conservative base. It's not a moderate base. It's not a something other base. It's a conservative base. The pro-life movement is a conservative movement. Of 
Calling oneself, he writes, a conservative in today's political climate would be like saying one is a conservative because he wants to preserve the medieval European traditions. I don't believe this gentleman, who's quite smart, understands what conservatism means. He says, Western civilization is dying. The traditions and practices that conservatives champion are, at best, being preserved only in an ever-shrinking private sphere. At worst, they're being trampled to dust. They certainly do not form the basis of our common culture or civic life as they did for most of our nation's history. Well, let's remove the word conservative. We're talking here about the civil society. Should we surrender it? We're talking here about the Constitution. Should we abandon it? We're talking here about the great thinkers who undergird the principles that we embrace. Aristotle, should we abandon him? Cicero, Adam Smith, Edmund Burke. So who should we embrace? See, the problem with this, as I said the other day about the other writer, is this is sort of a Marxist approach. Not that this gentleman's Marxist. Please don't misunderstand in any respect. But it's the world begins today kind of thinking. I'm a young guy. I don't like what's transpired. We need to abandon all of our history. We need to abandon all of our, our founders, the people on whose shoulders we stand. No, the problem isn't conservatism per se and its philosophy and principles. The problem is the weak-kneed generation that we're dealing with today. The problem is weak-kneed Republicans who we elect and mislead us. And weak-kneed websites that don't lead anything, where people just pound their chest and pontificate. I just mentioned a few of these movements that are taking place today. Just a few, and there are many more. Are we losing? Yes, we're losing. Badly. Badly. But the issue isn't the principles and the philosophy and the belief system. The problem is the cowardice, the lack of leadership. That's the problem. That's the problem. I thought it a very odd piece, quite frankly. And again, it's nothing personal. Nothing personal. I don't know the gentleman. People are very upset, trying to figure out what to do. Well, this is not the answer. The answer is to figure out ways to defeat these people so we can institute the great ideas that resulted in the nation's founding. The great ideas of Western civilization, not to rewrite them and we got to think of something else. We have to think of new strategies. We have to be more hard-ass. We have to put on the brass knuckles politically. We have to do all those things. And I would welcome this, this writer to join us. Because I don't know that he ever has. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Lovin. 
rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Let me put a finer point on this. You know, uh, you could replace in that writer's piece conservatism with the Constitution. The Constitution hasn't served us. It hasn't protected us from the tyranny that we're facing. So throw it out and start over. The people who are of faith and believe in the Bible, most of us, no matter how hard we pray, no matter how hard they prayed, in the 1930s and 40s, six million Jews were slaughtered in unimaginable and horrific ways. Time to abandon the Bible. No, we ought not abandon the Constitution. We ought not abandon the Bible. We ought not abandon our belief systems that's collectively loosely called conservatism. What we need to do is stand up and fight for them in as many ways as we can conceive. And what people who are so quick to adopt the mindset of the Marxists, and I don't mean the Marxist ideology, I mean the mindset that the world begins today and we've never confronted tyranny, therefore we must surrender what's been, we must surrender what is, and follow me. Follow you to where and to do what? These people haven't joined any of these movements, the Tea Party movements, these other counterattacks against the counter-revolution. We talk about them. You talk about them. We do as much as we can. We must do, must do more. For instance, the Republican Party needs to be fixed and fixed badly. Not to throw out conservatives, but to have more rock-rib, solid conservatives leading the party. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad 
that as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. This is the Ministry of Truth. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Joe Biden said something today that is another, I think, teaching moment, which is what this first hour really has been about. I want you to listen to this, and then I will unravel it. Cut four, go. We're building our roads, our bridges, our ports, our airports. We're delivering clean water, high-speed Internet to every American. And the price of gas at the pump is coming down. It's down $1.20 this summer, and just this week, last week, it's fallen another $0.10. Cents. And today we have further proof that we're rebuilding the economy in a responsible way. Right there. Now, the rest of it are lies. We know that. But we're rebuilding the economy in responsible ways. Doesn't that sound like the prior writer from The Federalist? We have to rebuild conservatism, starting without using the word conservatism. Ladies and gentlemen, the genius of market capitalism, the genius of market capitalism is... It is rebuilding a trillion times a day. Hundreds of millions of people making consumer decisions. Tens of millions of people making production decisions. Entrepreneurs, inventions. Capitalism is rebuilding the economy, filling needs, filling demands, Every day. And it has to adjust to those needs and demands. Your needs and demands. Every day. So on the one hand, we have a piece in the Federalist that cites another piece that is highly critical of technological advances. And then we have an attack on capitalism by Joe Biden because he says that he is going to rebuild the economy. And of course, they're both wrong. He's not going to rebuild anything. And he hasn't. Now, what are technological advances? What are they? Where do they come from? Where do technological advances come from, Mr. Producer? They come from your brain. Your brain. So what do people mean when they say that we have to somehow control or manage technological advances? What do they mean by that? Are we supposed to stop thinking about new ideas? New inventions? How to fill gaps? Needs, desires, what does it mean exactly? The whole degrowth movement, the climate change movement, 
is about controlling human beings. Lifestyles. What you can say, what you can think. Is that what we believe now? As conservative? Shh, don't say conservative. Don't say men. Don't say women. Don't say your name. It's pronouns. Confusing everybody. Left and right now telling us what words to use and what to call ourselves and what not to call ourselves. I don't think we get anywhere by imitating the worst parts of the Marxists. Marx used to attack capitalism for a lot of reasons, but one of the core reasons he attacked capitalism for is this constant revolutionary economic change. Constant revolutionary economic change. And we actually have, or if they're not conservatives, what are they? We actually have people, fill in the blank, we have to change the language for them, who agree. They don't even realize they agree with him. With him. The problem we have, I've written about it, we've talked about it on this radio show for many years. And it is a big problem. Is how do you stop tyrants from using liberty to destroy liberty? That's a big question. How do you stop tyrants from using liberty to destroy liberty? Liberty by its very nature, by its very definition, empowers you to exercise your freedom. What if you want to exercise your freedom for ill will, for evil, to destroy somebody else's freedom? That's why we have a constitution That's why we have a civil society. That's why we have rules of law. And that's why we shouldn't abandon them. We should fight for them. We have to do a better job of explaining who the enemy is. Hence American Marxism. Over there at the Federalists, I don't even know if they use the phrase American Marxism. I don't know. Again, it's not a put down. I don't read it all the time. But I don't think they do. I don't think people on the radio use it that often other than this show. I don't think people on Fox, my favorite cable network, use it that often. They'd rather say progressives or socialists. or and These are all my friends. So by abandoning the language, abandoning definitions, we abandon the battlefield. We abandon the battlefield. Who are the Democrats? Who are the people pushing critical race theory? Who are the people pushing pornography in our elementary school libraries? Who are the people pushing phony climate change and driving up the cost of gasoline, destroying our economy? Who are they? Well, if you just passively address them as Democrats or liberals or whatever, you lose the battle. The battle of the language. And the battle of the language is everything. Everything. So when Biden says that we are rebuilding the economy in a responsible way, they're not rebuilding anything. 
They're centralizing power. They're imposing their will on Mr. and Mrs. America. They're destroying the economic system that develops that develops things to fill your needs and your wants and your desires. Our economic system ensured that we were energy independent. Biden destroyed it. Our economic system ensured that there was no inflation for virtually a decade. Biden destroyed it. Our economic system ensured that we would have plenty of fossil fuel at affordable prices. Biden destroyed it. You don't need to, quote-unquote, rebuild an economy in a responsible way. Does this seem like a responsible way to you, America? This government isn't rebuilding anything. Democrats don't rebuild. They burn. They bulldoze. They destroy. They don't rebuild. And they don't build. They tear down. That's exactly what they're doing. Now, you'll have an opportunity to tap the brakes in 18 days. We need to crush these people at the ballot box. Crush them. Crush them. We need to undertake strategies that target the Democrat Party the way they target we conservatives. We can no longer embrace the FBI because it's become the Stasi. We can no longer embrace the Department of Justice because it doesn't believe in justice. We need to use our brains and our tools and our power to either change them or eliminate them and replace them, just as they would you. Just as they would you. We need to throw criminals in prison, and for a long time. We need to prevent the Democrats from throwing Republicans in prison because they disagree with them. I saw one guy, one guy today got four years. Four years. He climbed through a broken window. He didn't break it. He climbed through a broken window. He announced that they were going to get members of Congress or whatever. Some stupid thing. And he never touched the hair on any member of Congress's head or any cop's head. He wasn't violent in any way. But because he said what he said. As ridiculous as it was. He got four years today, Mr. Producer. Four years. How many days did Hunter Biden get in prison, ladies and gentlemen? None. None yet. You have people who are protesting, merely trespassing and parading on government property, who didn't commit acts of violence, who are serving six months, two years, four years, while Hunter Biden hasn't served a minute. Is that just? No, I don't think so. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
rights, immigration, foreign policy, marriage. These subjects are a big part of political dialogue today. We talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. And my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Today, you can join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So don't wait, folks. The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation. It's a killer. And sign up for this new, completely free online course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So Biden says the Republicans are threatening to crash the economy. Do you know why? Because even Democrat so-called experts are saying we're headed for a wall, a big wall. Bezos said, you better hold on tight. Elon Musk, these are billionaires. Democrat economists, Wall Street, bankers, and of course, me. And we were here first. We are in the middle of stagflation, ladies and gentlemen. High inflation and a slow economy. The next step after stagflation is depression. And the idiot in the White House and his idiot party and the idiots in the media are pushing us toward a depression. And I want to remind you, that these are the people who said they only got a little of what they wanted with the spending. Noriel Rubini says to brace for a crash that combines the worst of the financial crisis and 1970-style stagflation. Who is he? The global economy will experience a period of decline that combines the worst aspects of the 2008 financial crisis. Remember that? When we were bailing out everyone and everything? He's the economist. He said that he expects red-hot inflation to lead to a recession before major cracks start to appear in financial markets. It's going to get ugly. The recession, you'll have a financial crisis, he told Bloomberg. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you what's going on. He sees supply-side shocks, including the coronavirus pandemic and the war in Ukraine as drivers. Well, on that, he's idiotic. Now, here's Biden, who knows exactly what's coming as a result of him, an economic arsonist, what he and his damn party did. Cut five, go. If you're worried about the economy, you need to know this. The Republican leadership in Congress has made it clear. They will crash the economy next year by threatening the full faith and credit of the United States for the first time in our history, putting the United States in default unless... unless All this we- guy does is attack Republicans. That's all he does. He hates Republicans, meaning you, many of you. More than the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, more than the communist regime in Beijing. He hates you. If you're a Republican. You heard what this Matthew Dowd said earlier, and I played it. He thinks you're you're like the Third Reich. You're Republicans. 
And don't call yourself conservatives, for God's sakes. And you MAGA guys, you're domestic terrorists. And should the Democrats lose in eight days, excuse me, 18 days, our democracy will be destroyed, they say. These are sick bastards from the top down and the bottom up. What does he say? The bottom up and the middle out. Doesn't even, doesn't even know what he's talking about. Shut up, idiot. So the Republicans are threatening to crash the economy. The economy's crashing. I'm not Nostradamus, but I know what I see and I know what I read in history, recent history. The reason we had a depression after Herbert Hoover, we had a hugely deep recession, is because FDR embraced these socialist schemes of redistributing wealth, of centralizing economic planning. Excessive borrowing, excessive spending, new government departments. And Joe Biden wants to be F- F- excuse, FDR. He wants to be bigger than FDR. And that's what they plan. So it's not just where we are today and just what they've done to us today. It's where they intend to take us. They are exactly the wrong people in the wrong positions. And they make excuses. The Republicans are going to crash the economy. The war in Ukraine is responsible for oil shortages. Big oil is responsible for oil increases. Boy, do I have a lot to get to tonight. I have a lot to get to tonight to unravel all this. We're going to keep at it right after the top of the hour. I hope you'll stick with us. But we're going to talk about oil profits. What are they? How can we never see a chart up there by the big government types in the media? Why is that? Are the profits really consistently as big as they say they are? Really? We sure about that? Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Well, you're going to learn that they're not. You're going to learn that they're not. And what about the, the election deniers? We've talked about that many times, have we not? The election deniers. And what is in store for the future? Most of you don't use diesel gas, do you? We have a huge supply crisis growing, getting worse for diesel fuel. If you like to eat, if you like to be clothed, if you like to have a roof over your head, you better worry about this. Because this affects the 18-wheelers straight up. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, folks, got a lot to jump into here. 
we talked about this the other day, but there's something about the way Victor Davis Hanson writes and speaks. It's really extraordinary. Election deniers. The January 6th Stalinist Democrat Party Nancy Pelosi committee has now subpoenaed Donald Trump to appear before this committee. These are dead-enders. These are dead-enders who are just trying to create drama and a confrontation and dirty up Donald Trump, they hope, with another criminal issue hanging over his head. They're all manufactured, mind you. They're all manufactured, whether it's mar largo whether it's this, whether it's his business in New York. It's all manufactured. It's all intended to continue to drag him down. All of it. And it's all aimed at you. All aimed at you. I've spent some time going over this election denier stuff, the Democrats, both here and on Levin TV. But here's Victor Davis Hanson in the Jewish World Review. Democratic myth has arisen that former President Donald Trump's denial of the accuracy of the 2020 election was unprecedented. Unfortunately, the history of U.S. elections is often a story of both legitimate and illegitimate election denialism. The 1800, 1824, 1876, 1960 elections were all understandably questioned. In some of these cases, a partisan House of Representatives decided the winner. Presidential candidate Al Gore in 2000 did not accept the popular vote results in Florida. He spent five weeks futilely contesting the state's tally until recounts and the Supreme Court certified it. The ensuing charge that former President George Bush was, quote, selected, not elected, unquote, was the Democrats' denialist mantra for years. In 2004, Barbara Boxer, Senator, 31 House Democrats, voted not to certify the Ohio election results in their unhinged efforts to overturn that election. These denialists included the current sanctimonious chairman of the January 6th Select Committee, U.S. Representative Benny Thompson of Mississippi. After 2016, crackpot Democratic orthodoxy for years insisted that Trump had colluded with Russia to steal certain victory from Hillary Clinton. Clinton herself claimed that Trump was not a legitimate president, no wonder she loudly joined the resistance, quote-unquote, to obstruct his presidency. The serial denialist Clinton later urged Joe Biden not to concede the 2020 election if he lost. Also after 2016, left-wing third-party candidate and denialist Jill Stein vainly sued in courts to disqualify voting machine results in pre-selected states. A denialist host of Hollywood C-list actors in 2016 cut television commercials begging members of the Electoral College to violate their oaths and instead flip the election to Hillary Clinton. Clinton herself hired foreign national Christopher Steele to concoct a dossier of untruths to smear the 2016 campaign opponent, Donald Trump. The FBI took up Clinton's failed efforts and likewise paid in vain her ancillaries like Christopher still to verify the dossier's lies. The Bureau further misled a FISA court about the dossier's authenticity. An FBI lawyer even altered a document as part of a government effort to disrupt a presidential transition and presidency. 
The Clinton FBI Russia collusion hoax was a small part of the progressive effort to warp the 2016 election result. The Washington Post giddily bragged about various groups formed to impeach Trump in his first days in office on the pretext he was illegitimately elected. Rosa Brooks, an Obama administration Pentagon lawyer, less than two weeks after Trump's inauguration, wrote a long denialist essay in foreign policy outlining a strategy to remove the supposedly illegitimate president. And she discussed the options of impeachment, the 25th Amendment, even a military coup. When rioting exploded in the streets of Washington after the election results became clear, Madonna infamously shouted to a mass crowd that she dreamed of blowing up the White House, presumably while the Trump family was in it. Was that not the most violent form of election denialism? The election denialist Stacey Abrams became a media heartthrob and left-wing cult hero. Abrams monetized her ridiculous denialism, so-called voter suppression. By stumping the country from 2018 to 2021, claiming without evidence that the 2018 Georgia gubernatorial election was rigged. In truth, she lost by over 50,000 votes. Time Magazine's Molly Ball, in a Trumpfalist essay, bragged that in 2020, a combination of big tech money from Silicon Valley, fueled by Mark Zuckerberg's $419 million infusion, absorbed the balloting, collection, and counting of several key voting precincts, weighed to help Biden. Ball bragged of careful pre-election censoring of the contemporary news by big tech, and most notably, that effort spread the lie that Hunter Biden laptop scandal was Russian disinformation. Left-wing interest groups modulated the often violent Black Lives Matter and Antifa street protests of 2020 in efforts to aid the Biden campaign. Ball summed up that left-wing election engineering effort as a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes and called it the secret history of the 2020 election. So what exactly were those secret warpers of 2020 election as ball put it a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions change rules and laws steer media coverage and confront the flow of information it is entirely legitimate to question the probity and legality of those systematic left-wing efforts in key states to overturn long-standing voting laws passed by state legislatures then followed an even larger effort to render Election Day a mere construct for the first time in American history. Over 100 million ballots were not cast on Election Day. The vast majority of them, and by design, Biden votes. Somehow, somehow, customary ballot disqualification rates of mail-in ballots in some states plunged even as their numbers exploded. The scariest form of election interference was the 2020 cabal. The FBI, Silicon Valley, street protesters, and the media all conspired to work for the right result. Apparently that conspiracy was the denialist response to the 2016 victory of Trump that they never accepted. Nobody writes like Victor Davis Hanson because nobody can think like Victor Davis Hanson. True, isn't it? Oh, it's true. It's true. We have to move quickly. I've got a lot. 18 days before the election. 
Biden lies about energy could no longer be ignored. This is the editorial board for one of my favorite sites. Issuesinsights.com. Issues and insights. It's stunning to hear Biden and the rest of the Democrats spin our growing energy crisis like a child with his hand caught in the cookie jar. Biden continually tells the American people, I didn't do it. In fact, yes, he did, and he still is. Let's debunk some myths, Biden said. My administration has not stopped or slowed U.S. oil production. He said that Wednesday, that he's doing everything in my power to reduce gasoline prices. Is that true? In fact, the entire energy policy of the Biden administration has been directed at not just slowing, but stopping U.S. oil production. And in the intended result, higher gasoline prices for consumers. Yet another Bidenflation tax on American families that's already pushing many to the brink of financial insolvency. That's not a partisan talking point, by the way. Even his own administration's energy officials admit that the goal of the administration is to get rid of fossil fuels by raising prices. They just don't want it to be known before the 2022 midterm elections. Oil output must be limited in order to, quote, make sure that we're in a better footing to accelerate the transition, said Amos Hochstein, Biden's special presidential coordinator for international energy affairs. By the way, we wrote about this, they say, back in March. Putin's war is already hurting American families, says the, at the gas plus pump. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's prize a price hike here at home, Biden said, as he banned Russian oil imports. Just as he did back then, Biden this week blamed U.S. companies for the energy mess. You're sitting on record profits, and we're giving you more certainty so you can act now to increase oil production. More certainty? Record profits? Sure enough, as energy prices soared recently, quarterly oil company profits jumped along with them. But that's not the only part of the story. Oil industry profits are notoriously fickle and volatile. They can actually decline when companies are aggressively investing for the future. Biden has repeatedly said on the record that his goal is to shut down the American oil industry. A quick look at the actual financial data major oil and gas companies tells the tale. Keep that in mind over the long haul. Overhaul net profits for oil companies averages as little as over 5%. Here's the recent record. 2016, percentage of revenue profit minus 53.6%. 2017, minus 12.6%. 2018, plus 3.4%. 2019, minus 5.8%. 2020, minus 50.2%. 2021, plus 8.7%. The average from 2016 through 2021 is a negative 18.4%. Not exactly record profits, is it? Democrats claim that oil companies are profiteering, are doing Putin's work, are lies verging on slander. It's simply not true. U.S. oil and gas producers are in a fight for their very existence. And if they go... America's highest in the world standard of living goes with them. Ask them to cut prices for political purposes. Is asking them to commit financial suicide, which, come to think of it, seems to be Biden's goal. But what really sticks in our crawl is Biden's earlier claim that he's doing everything in my power to bring energy prices down. A complete lie. One that was utterly demolished by short, six-line tweet. 
from environmentalist and medical doctor Michael Schellenberg. Quote, Biden just now said he's doing everything in my power to reduce gas prices, but that's false. He slashed acreage for oil gas production, killed the reopening of a major oil refinery, repressed private investment in oil gas production by flooding the market with a strategic preserve oil. He might have added kill the Keystone Pipeline, which would have brought millions of barrels of Canadian oil to the U.S. and creating thousands of jobs. No doubt, desperate, as polls show Democrats losing favor with voters in the upcoming midterms, a large part due to the havoc wreaked by soaring energy prices. Since Biden took office in January 2021, the average price for a gallon of gasoline has soared 62%. 62% from $2.39 a gallon to $3.86 a gallon. Heating oil and gas prices to heat homes this winter are likewise surging. Americans are feeling the pinch, and they, as they haven't since the 1970s oil crisis. Biden's response? Open the spigots on the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is now at a 37-year low. He's squandering the oil that was built up over decades to make up for a crude oil shortage that he created. That he created. Biden has set the U.S. on a doomed course to reach his his goal of 100% clean electrical grid by 2035. This means no net use of carbon-based fuels. So why would the oil industry, which Biden has pledged to destroy, pump more oil now and take losses just to get Biden and the Democrats off the hook? Here's the reality. Today, the U.S. gets roughly 87% of its energy from oil, coal, natural gas, and nuclear power. All energy sources the Biden administration actively seeks to eliminate or severely restrict. The remaining 12% or so comes from a grab bag of so-called renewable energy sources. Sorry, but there's no way that we could possibly decarbonize our economy. That is, eliminate these energy sources by 2035 without a massive decline in your living standards here in America and abroad. It'll destroy the American economy. Those who doubt this are delusional. Even Larry Summers, the former top economist in both the Clinton and Obama administrations, slightly differed sharply with the Biden administration policy, called Biden's energy push kind of insane, quote unquote. We kind of agree. We're on. We're on a course to destruction. Biden and the Democrats, they are deconstructing America. They are a greater threat to the survival of this country. Let me be clear. They are a greater threat to the survival of this country than China and Russia combined. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Only you can put an end to this or begin the process of putting an end to it in 18 days. I'll be right back. in. With the upcoming midterms, keep something in mind. You don't just vote at the ballot box. You vote with your every dollar you spend and the companies you spend them with. Verizon Wireless customers, you're supporting a company that dropped One American News. 
AT&T customers, your company owns far-left CNN. And T-Mobile, your CEO reportedly advised Democrats on how to beat Trump. Don't give your money to woke wireless companies. Instead, choose Pure Talk, a company that believes in family values. And they also believe in giving you great service at a low cost, like unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. Average family saves almost $1,000 a year. I'm a Pure Talk customer, folks. Here's what I like. Same network, same coverage, same phone, lower bill, and 30 days risk-free. Switching can take just 10 minutes. It's a no-brainer. Show corporate America you're done funding their leftist policies. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and make the switch to my company, Pure Talk. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Biden says the midterm elections are shifting to the Democrats. And that's why he's all over the country campaigning. Oh, he's not. Where will he be this weekend? In Delaware. What the Delaware, boys? What the Delaware? Good question in Biden's case. I understand he liked the skinny dip. Uh, Remember, they used to talk to little kids about the hair on his legs, Mr. Producer? They used to touch his legs and the hair would go down. Why did it go down and then come up? He's a sick man. Here's Biden at the White House today. Midterms are shifting towards the Democrats. Cut five, go. I know, uh, and I don't blame you, you want to ask me about the midterms. Uh, (laughs) Here's what I think. It's been back and forth with them ahead, us ahead, them ahead, back and forth. And the polls have been all over the place. I think uh, that's Stop. what we see. Uh, not really. Polls aren't all over the place now. No, I'm not into these polls. As I tell you, they really don't serve a purpose for you and me other than to either dissuade us or uh, encourage people to stay home. So my view is plow ahead, America. Plow ahead, Mr. and Mrs. America. Not only vote, but we've talked about this before. Get other people to vote. Go ahead the closing days and let me tell you why I think that we're starting to see some of the good news on the economy gas prices are down sharply ladies and gentlemen where does this guy live gas prices are not down they're going back up where does this man live he is so out of touch I called him the Herbert Hoover of our time but I don't like putting down Herbert Hoover Joe Biden's worse than Herbert Hoover. And yet if we don't touch, if we don't defeat them, crush them, slam on the brakes, not just tap them, as I said earlier, slam them on, they win and we lose in the delusional world in which he lives. I'll be right back. With the upcoming midterms, keep something in mind. You don't just vote at the ballot box. You vote with your every dollar you spend and the companies you spend them with. Verizon Wireless customers, you're supporting a company that dropped One American News. 
AT&T customers, your company owns far-left CNN. And T-Mobile, your CEO reportedly advised Democrats on how to beat Trump. Don't give your money to woke wireless companies. Instead, choose Pure Talk, a company that believes in family values. And they also believe in giving you great service at a low cost, like unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. Average family saves almost $1,000 a year. I'm a Pure Talk customer, folks. Here's what I like. Same network, same coverage, same phone, lower bill, and 30 days risk-free. Switching can take just 10 minutes. It's a no-brainer. Show corporate America you're done funding their leftist policies. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and make the switch to my company, Pure Talk. Mark Levin says today what the backbenchers will repeat tomorrow. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Oh, yeah. Ooh, what is this? Biden's diesel fuel supply crisis could soon cripple America in ways never before seen. At PJ Media, you see how I'm linking all these things together, all these disparate pieces of evidence. How they're all linked. Oil prices and Biden's continued draining of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve have dominated the headlines, but analysts say a more impactful and serious crisis on the energy front looms. A diesel fuel shortage. Now, diesel doesn't get as much of the limelight as oil and gas, but it should because diesel fuel is the industrial lifeblood of the United States. And the price of diesel alone probably has a more significant impact on inflation than the prices you're paying at the grocery store over any other factor. And without ample amounts of diesel fuel, semi-trucks don't move. Farms are shut down. Critical manufacturing sectors are crippled. Bloomberg noted this week, quote, the U.S. has just, listen to this, America. This is unbelievable. And what's unbelievable is you haven't heard this anywhere else. The U.S. has just 25 days of diesel supply. 25 days of diesel supply. The lowest since 2008, according to the Energy Information Administration. At the same time, the four-week rolling average of distillates supplied a proxy for demand, distilleries, sorry, I had a shot in my left eye today, I can really, oh, it is distillates. Distillates supplied a proxy for demand, rose to its highest seasonal level since 2007. Demand is as high as it's been in 25 years, and there's a 25-day diesel supply. Can anybody write and spell disaster? Biden administration has remained strangely silent, probably hoping that the dismal news doesn't hit the mainstream because it's a total political time bomb waiting to go off, especially as midterm elections are so close. Bloomberg reported it this way. Have you seen this on TV anywhere? No, you haven't. The diesel crunch comes just weeks ahead of the midterm elections. 
and has the potential to drive up prices for consumers who already view inflation in the economy as a top voting issue. <clears throat> Excuse me, cholera. Retail prices have been steadily climbing for more than two weeks. A $5.33 a gallon. They're 50% higher than this time last year, according to the AAA data. Notably, National Economic Council Director Brian Deese recently commented on the emerging crisis. He said diesel inventories are unacceptably low, quote unquote, and added that, quote, all options are on the table, whatever that means. Aside from that remark, the White House has done little to nothing about the issue, an issue that could further cripple confidence in the ability of Democrats to lead America through tough times, as they've already proven on many occasions over the past two years. It's not even a matter of leading us through tough times. They're sabotaging our country. Diesel's also been described as the nation's inflationary canary, given that it's so critically important for everything we need to survive. The bottom line is that without ample supplies and record high prices for what's left, Americans will get financially hammered over the winter and into 2023. It's probably going to get really bad out there. The scary part is the Biden administration doesn't seem to give a rip. The U.S. has just 106 million barrels of diesel stockpiles. Last time inventories were that low was in mid-October 1951. Inventories should be 30% higher this time of the year. Wow. Did you know this, Mr. Producer? How bad is this situation truly? Let's put the pieces together. We have a historically low supply of diesel fuel, which powers everything that allows us to eat, drink, and live our daily lives. Because of the diminished supply under Biden, we have surging prices, making the cost of hauling goods, farming, and everything else that requires diesel fuel pretty much everything higher than ever before which will cause prices of everything we use and need to increase in the coming months significantly. Add to that a potentially hard, cold winter for many parts of the country. Oh, it's climate change. It's climate change. Oh, it's big oil ripping us off. It's big oil. They got their answers, which are preposterous. When heating oil demand will skyrocket, causing prices to soar once again over competition for what's left in the tank. Prices are going to skyrocket across the board if this happens. It's unbelievable that the Biden administration has let the problem get so bad as to be a potentially crippling crisis for America in the coming months. In fact, it's quite believable. And it lines up with other jaw-dropping, stupid decisions made by the current White House that many now believe are so bad that they're likely international for whatever sinister reasons. So in other words, if you thought prices at the pump, the grocery store, and everything else that affects our lives are high now, you ain't seen nothing yet. If you have the ability and resources to prepare for the worst, it's probably a good time to start. Like the third damn world. That's Ryan Ledendecker. 
ladies and gentlemen, I'm not a wet blanket. I'm bringing this information to you. I'm bringing this information to you because something needs to be done about this. And you have 18 days to do something about this. 18 days to do something about this. It's, uh, it's dire. It's a dire situation. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. With the upcoming midterms, keep something in mind. You don't just vote at the ballot box. You vote with your every dollar you spend and the companies you spend them with. Verizon Wireless customers, you're supporting a company that dropped One American News. AT&T customers, your company owns far-left CNN. And T-Mobile, your CEO reportedly advised Democrats on how to beat Trump. Don't give your money to woke wireless companies. Instead, choose Pure Talk, a company that believes in family values. And they also believe in giving you great service at a low cost, like unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. Average family saves almost $1,000 a year. I'm a Pure Talk customer, folks. Here's what I like. Same network. Same coverage, same phone, lower bill, and 30 days risk-free. Switching can take just 10 minutes. It's a no-brainer. Show corporate America you're done funding their leftist policies. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and make the switch to my company, Pure Talk. On Fridays, I keep my foot on the gas pedal. Other people tap the brakes. That's not in my nature. Or they tap a keg of beer. That's not my nature either, to tell you the truth. Steve Bannon was sentenced to four months in prison today. He will remain a free man until November 15th. And what exactly did he do? Oh, he defied a committee of Congress. Oh, really? Well, how come Eric Holder didn't go to prison? How come the former head of the IRS under Obama didn't go to prison? How come myriad Democrats and Republicans in prior administrations didn't go to prison? Who was it that lied to Congress about about their CIA activities? Brennan? And who was it that lied to Congress? Who's the other ball guy? The old guy. Clapper, Clapper, Brennan. They're not in prison. They're grifters. Holder's not in prison. Former IRS person in charge of going after Tea Party. They're not in prison. As I said before, Hunter Biden's not in prison, not even for a second. So Bannon, Bannon's the great threat to the Republic. Bannon. And Bannon got extra time, you see, because he wouldn't bow down and beg for mercy. Bannon wouldn't bow down and beg for mercy. He was defiant. His lawyer said to the judge, hey, judge, he was only listening to the advice of his counsel the judge didn't care. The Department of Injustice wanted him to serve for half a year. This committee 
is not even constitutional. It doesn't even follow the rules of the House. And Bannon defied them. He questioned them. He exercised his First Amendment right on his podcast. He exercised his First Amendment right on other shows to condemn what was taking place with that committee and to him. And the prosecutor said, ah, there's more evidence. More evidence. More evidence of what? That he's a reprobate. More evidence that he won't, he won't comply. Prosecutors are very busy. Not prosecuting communist Chinese spies. Not prosecuting illegal alien criminals. Not protecting our streets. The FBI and the Department of Justice are very, very busy going after their political opponents. And why is it that no FBI agents are in prison for what they did with Russia collusion? Why is it? Bannon. Let's do the first cut on Bannon, Mr. Producer. Go. I respect uh, the judge. The sentence he came down with today is his decision. I fully respect. I've been totally respectful of this entire process uh, on the legal side. I also want to make one other statement before I talk about a broader topic. More than any person in the Trump administration, I testified before the Mueller Commission for more hours. I testified in front of uh, Chair Schiff in the House Intelligence Committee more than any other person in the Trump administration. I, attest- I testified in front of the Senate Intelligence, I think more than any, all about the issues related uh, to uh, to Russia gate to all of that, okay? The same process every time. I had lawyers that were engaged, they worked through the issues of privilege, and at that time I went and testified. And, I, and, and this thing about uh, I'm above the law is an absolute and total lie. Now, more importantly, more importantly, the judge, today was my judgment day by the judge. And he stated for the appeal, and we'll have a very vigorous appeals process. I've got a great legal team, and there'll be multiple areas of appeal. Next, cut go. As that sign says right there, can we have the vote sign? On November 8th, on November 8th, on November 8th, there's going to have judgment on the illegitimate Biden regime, and quite frankly, and quite frankly, Nancy Pelosi and the entire committee. And we know which way that's going. Either they've already been turfed out like Liz Cheney, right, or have quit like Kinzinger and other the Democrats, or they're about to be beaten like Luria and others, or they will lose their power and become a minority and Nancy Pelosi and, and uh, Tom Chairman Johnson, all of it. This is a, this is a, this is democracy. This is democracy. The American people are way in measuring what went on with the Justice Department and how they comported themselves. They're weighing and measuring that right now, and they will vote on November 8th. They will vo- hang on. They will vote. Hang on. They will. They will know. They will know. They, 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 can I go ahead and finish? Can I? Thanks. 
They, on November 8th, on November 8th, the American people will raise judgment and we will groom the Biden administration ends on the 8th evening of the 8th of November. And let me be, let me, some other thing is that the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, will end up being the first attorney general that's brought up on charges of impeachment and he will be removed from office. I certainly hope that's the case. I don't think the Senate will remove him. And we'll have to keep an eye on the leadership in the House. I thought Bannon's words were very important. And in fact, very courageous. Under the circumstances. Very important and very courageous. And correct. And correct. Bannon's conduct didn't lead didn't lead to an ICE agent being killed as Holder's conduct did for which he was held in contempt because he wouldn't provide Republicans in Congress with the information that they requested that's why you can't get equal justice in Washington DC it's not possible not with the judges there and not with the juries there it's simply not possible. And maybe over at the Federalists, they can work out some thought process, and I'm happy to work with them on how we fix that. Because if you are tied to Trump in any way, you don't have a chance. You can't get a jury of your peers. You get a jury of the Democrat Party's peers. And these major cases keep showing up in Washington, D.C. Stick with us, ladies and gentlemen. We have another close house race that I want to talk to you about in Illinois and a terrific candidate. And we also have Catherine Limbaugh on near the bottom of the hour. So it's going to be a spectacular hour. I hope you'll be with us, and I'll be right back. In this economy, we all need as much help as we can get. If you own a business, you're looking for ways to survive. Innovation refunds can help. Small business owners, please listen up. You could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of your taxes. Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are highly trained in this little-known payroll tax refund program and have already returned $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you, too. Go to GetRefunds.com. They do all the work with no charge up front. They simply charge a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Go to GetRefunds.com. Click on Qualify Me and answer a few questions. It's that simple. Now, this payroll tax refund is only available for a very limited amount of time. So check it out right away. GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, There is a congressional race in Illinois that is not getting the kind of attention it deserves. But there's an outstanding candidate there who has the opportunity to take out a radical leftist. 
And because of that, the Democrat Party and their dark money is pouring into this district race. So I want to alert America and you folks in Illinois over it, too. And the candidate on the Republican side is Catalina Lauf. Catalina Lauf, how are you, ma'am? Good. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. You're running in Illinois' 11th congressional district. What towns are included there? Give us some examples. Yeah. McHenry County. Uh, I was born and raised in Woodstock, parts of McHenry, and then all the way down to Naperville, uh, Aurora, Bolingbrook, Lamont, and uh, parts of Kane County as well. So it's a very big district, but Republican at heart, and we can flip it with the support. Now, your, uh, your opponent has voted down the line with Nancy Pelosi. He's voted for inflation. He's voted for high gas prices. He's voted for open borders and fentanyl pouring into this country because he hadn't done a damn thing about it. He has supported efforts to uh, brainwash our children in our classrooms because he hadn't done a damn thing about that, and the teachers' unions back him. Are the people in your district able to understand what your opponent has voted for and that you reject all these issues? Yes, and they fundamentally reject it as well. You know, somebody like Bill Foster is, while, they, while he believes he's one of those silent Democrats, these are the types of guys we've got to get out, and I'll tell you why. He's co-sponsored legislation that uh, has, has biological males in female sports and locker rooms. So he's one of those, and our mama bears out here are sick and tired of that. He has voted 100% with Nancy Pelosi, not to mention he's backed by groups that want to defund the police. And, you know, I know everybody who's listening here knows how the crime has gone up in, in Chicago with things like the Safety Act. And this guy is one of those that wants to defund the police and fundamentally uh, is destroying our, our, our culture, our values and our economy as well. Now, um He's getting a ton of money from the Democrat Party now. And I'm finding most candidates are not able to keep up with all this dark money flowing in. How are you doing? Yeah, we're honored. We actually raised uh, close to $2 million off 5 and $10 contributions. So we know exactly who we're backed by, and that is the American people. We're one of the top candidates with the small dollar contributions. Uh, but not to mention my opponent, he's backed by Mike Madigan, who is the infamous uh, Speaker of the House out here, corrupt, recently indicted, Mike Madigan, and, and the rest of them, Nancy Pelosi. And this guy, is just, he's got to go and unfortunately we aren't getting the attention people have written off illinois a long time ago but the reality is we have a tremendous opportunity not only to flip the, this seat but many others in the state not only uh people ha are so so sick of jb pritzker as well that you will see that illinois will send a, a powerful voice uh, this cycle and to get all these corrupt Democrats out and bring back hope for the people here in Illinois. And this is our time to do it now. You voted the early voting in Illinois. When did that start or does it start? Uh, Monday. Mm -hmm. And my view has been, uh, Catalina, that everybody should vote as early as possible. Use their, their model against them. Uh, if you want to vote on Election Day, that's fine. Uh, but I have no problem with people voting early and getting in there. But I'm going to be the first one voting in my precinct when we have here uh, early voting in Florida. 
uh, because you never know something might happen or there's something going on. And it's very, very important that those of us who are able help those who are unable to vote. That is, maybe they are are, uh, handicapped or maybe they have other issues going on. You got to help people vote. You got to look at your email list. You got to look at your phone lists, text people. This is a big deal. You can't wait around for other people to do what we need to do. How's your ground game there? It's incredible. You know, we are soaring in the polls. Uh, You know, we've come up. He underestimated us. And now is the time to bring it home. Again, our people are fed up. The moms are fed up with what's going on in our schools. Mark, I want to let you know, you know, our governor passed a state law who uh, he required tampons in elementary school boys bathrooms. I mean, this is how far left this state is going and people and Congress people at the federal level like Bill Foster are supporting these things and want to put it also federally. And so we're trying to tell, you know, the country that don't let the country look like what these Illinois Democrats want to do, just like California, because they will do whatever it takes for power. And and we have a huge opportunity now to flip it. Our small businesses have been shutting down because of inflation. I have senior citizens that can't afford grocery bills right now parents that can't afford gas bills to you know to drive their kids to school we are hurting here in illinois and it's time for change and i wanted to also say you know it our vote matters and the problem has been for so long that democrats here in illinois have tried to disenfranchise republicans they've tried to to make it seem like our voice does not matter because of cook county and they are fundamentally wrong we have the enthusiasm we have the momentum and it's time for us to bring it home on November 8th. And I want to be as clear as I can about this in your race and others. These races could be won or lost by 12 votes. I've seen it happen by seven votes, by 140 votes. It was litigated in New York, one of the races. The Democrats tried to take it. They are poised to jump in and grab races and win. We lost Norm Coleman years ago in Minnesota uh, to uh, Franken because they pulled that there. He had... uh, he was ahead by 300 votes, and uh, and then somehow they recounted, and uh, Coleman lost. It's very, very important because you might say, "Okay, no big deal." Uh, I want no. It is a big deal, and you got to vote up and down the uh, up and down the ballot. You know, if you have school board members running, or you have city councilmen, or mayors, or whatever, as well as at the federal level. Now, give us a little bit of your background, and give us a little bit of your opponent's background. Yes. So I was born and raised here in this district. My mother actually fled war-torn Guatemala uh, back in the 80s. She fled the corruption, the poverty and war to find freedom and opportunity here. My father was a small business owner, entrepreneur my whole life. And you know they taught me the values of hard work, personal responsibility, to love this country unapologetically. And as a millennial, you know, I see the rise of the far leftist progressive movement like AOC and the squad. And, you know, I, I really ran for office because I said, who do we have on our side in a new generation of leadership, new faces and new perspective uh, to, to combat this far uh, progressivism that's destroying our country. And so I was 
I was proud to put my name in here to run for office. My sister and I, uh, we have a startup in the children's healthcare space. So we are on entrepreneurs as well. And, you know, just an everyday American outsider that is motivated to change things. And our message has resonated with so many people who are sick of the career politicians who are ready for a new face, a new perspective, a new generation of leadership. And I'm very proud. Uh, my opponent has been in office for far too long. He's the reason why we should have term limits. Uh, he's a scientist. He'll brag about being the only scientist in, in office, uh, but fundamentally has do- not done anything. And, and more importantly, has actually done things to, again, destroy our communities, destroy our culture. He's one of those silent guys that uh, he's not just a 100% voting with Nancy Pelosi. He's actively supporting groups that want to defund the police, that want to support, uh, you know, the, the transgenderism in, in our, our female sports. These are progressive liberals, and it's the silent ones that are just as bad and need to be exploited and and called out and held accountable. And the only way we can hold them accountable is by voting them out, taking them out of office. Amen. Now, if people want to help you, where do they go, Catalina Lauf? CatalinaForCongress.com and Catalina Lauf on, on all social media platforms. Catalina is spelled, let me have it here in front of me, C-A-T-A-L-I-N-A, CatalinaForCongress.com. And uh, anybody in your district, I hope they're listening. you got to help. you got to get out now. Uh, you can't wait for other people to save the country. You have to save the country. And all over the country, if you're asking and looking for people to support, here's another one. It's a very tight race. She has a real shot at this. And I want to wish you all the best. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for what you do. All right. God bless. You know what I'm, I'm excited about, Mr. Producer? Here's another Hispanic woman who's a conservative who's running against, like, you know, a guy who, who looks in some ways like, uh, you know, Joe Scarborough. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, this is exciting. Why? Not because of affirmative action or anything else. People are being drawn to liberty. They're taking on the Democrats out of communities which are stereotyped by the Democrats and the media as being sure bets for the Democrats. Here we have another candidate who is running, who's a Hispanic American, and she's sick and tired of what's happening to this country. And I want to remind people in Virginia... The Loudoun County area, you have a fantastic candidate. He's been on the program. Hung Chow, C-A-O. This is a special forces guy. This is a man who was a refugee, his family was, from Vietnam. He's solid. He's decent. He's accessible. He's a family man. He's a man of faith. And he's running against another white crackpot liberal woman. So here again, it would be very interesting if the media would take a look in so many of these majority wider communities to see how many minorities are being nominated by the Republican Party to run in their party. Wouldn't that be fantastic? But the media are never going to do that. Because when you look at who runs most of these media corporations, it's nepotism 
from one family member to the next to the next. We'll be right back. Mark in. It's a great pleasure to have uh, Catherine Limbaugh on the program. How are you? Wonderful. How are you, Mark? I am doing great. And I'm going to tell you, this book made me smile and sad at the same time. Because it shows you you how integral Rush was in our lives. And, you know, it's not sort of a mechanical book. Oh, look at this. No, this book is really... It really touches your heart. I mean, the people out there, they know Rush. They live with Rush. You can, you can kind of measure aspects of your life. I heard Rush say this. I heard Rush say that. The photographs, so many warm photographs, all the way at the back there, where he, he has his Medal of Freedom on, and he's smiling on the plane and so forth and, and so on. What, what did you hope to do with this book? Because whatever you hope to do, I think you accomplished it. Well, thank you, Mark, so much. I'd just like to take a quick second to thank you for your support and your friendship to Rush. When you called and texted him during his particularly tough days, it really lifted him up. So just thank you for that, and also thank you for for this, what you're doing here. The book really is a collection of Rush's favorite on- and off-air moments from throughout his extraordinary career. And he started this book himself in 2020. He was obviously diagnosed with something that was quite difficult. And this book became something he was so passionate to do. He was in his library most of the time off of the radio show. And some of the time we'd be in, in hospital settings. And he would reflect on his life. And he himself selected times that were his favorite, whether it was on the radio or off the radio. He wanted people to hear from him directly, from his words, not painted through another perspective, but from him directly. And he wanted to speak directly to his fans and to the American people. As you know, Mark, Rush loved this country with all of his heart. And all of the people who are listening love the country as as much as, as he did. And he wanted it to carry on, and he felt that the best way to do that would be to give some everyone in his audience something to refer back to and not think of him as the time that he had cancer or the sad times, but think of him in the more inspiring times. Because as you said, he was part of so many people's lives for so many years. He was a friend on the radio. He was a brother. He was a father figure. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to say that America will carry on. Our best days are ahead. He was the most brilliant. He was the most hilarious. He was a gentleman. He was all of those things that we thought of him. And it shows in this book, in his words, as he would have wanted. And it's particularly relative now with 18 days leading to a very important election. I think people who read this book will say, this is the rush that we know. We remember these times with him on the radio. We remember what he stood for, and we also stand for that. 
And also most important is the proceeds from the sale of this book will benefit the families of fallen heroes, which was a very important cause to, to Rush. But I think through this book, what we mainly wanted to achieve was we wanted Rush's humor to come out. We wanted his inspiring messages to come out. We wanted his love for America to shine through. And for his audience, and many of whom are are listening today or this evening, for them to say, this was Rush. He was our leader. He was the great American patriot that we knew for so many years. And he wants us to carry on. He wants the country to carry on. And we will. We absolutely will. And our best days are ahead. And I think that that in a nutshell is, is what it is. But as you said, it really doesn't read like a typical book. No. It is a it unfolds very much like a Rush Limbaugh show. So I think anyone who is reading it will think of they're in some ways listening to his program. There's elements of humor, there's monologues, there's calls, and all were picked by him in his words. And I think that that people will really relate to it and be inspired by it, which is ultimately the goal. First of all, very beautifully put. And I think you have correctly described this book. It is, it's hard, it, it, this, you know, I'm not usually short on words. It's hard to describe this book because it really does take you down memory lane. And it does inspire, particularly Let's be honest, we miss Rush. We miss him yes. for a thousand reasons. We need Rush right now. The country's right. imperiled. And I think this book is, as you say, sort of Rush speaking to us today and for all time. Catherine, can you stay with us? Absolutely. The book is, and it is fantastic, folks, radio's greatest of all time, and there's no question about that. Rush Limbaugh with Catherine Adams Limbaugh and David Limbaugh. You can get it at Amazon.com right now. I want to encourage you. Get it for yourselves. Get it for the holidays. Put it on your coffee table. It is a fantastic book. We'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Folks, if you listen to Rush... If you loved Rush, if you miss Rush, 
This is a tremendous book. Radio's greatest of all time, Rush Limbaugh. And you know what? Nobody disputes that. That's how great he was. He was a great friend to me. He taught me pretty much everything I know behind this microphone. Uh, he was a lot nicer than I am, I can tell you that. Uh, and, um, you know, Catherine, you really were a rock behind him. You helped him with his various businesses. You helped him through his illness. Um, and now you took on this responsibility, something he wanted to do in order to help put this together. It's not easy to do something like this. It's just a fantastic book. I mean, even during the break, I'm paging through it, the memories, um, uh, and, and, and it does not flow like a typical commercial book. You can see all the th- thought and love that went into this. And one of the things I get out of this, Catherine, he knew a lot of very powerful people, <laughs> but he was most comfortable with everybody else, with his <laughs> That's listeners. Exactly. That's exactly right. He did know pretty much everyone that you could know, but he was so humble. He was so down to earth. He spoke directly to the American people. It didn't matter where you were in the country. Rush had the ability to relate to you in some way. And I think the the one thing about this is that Rush was one of the strongest voices for conservatism the world has ever known. As you rightly said, he is radio's greatest greatest of all time. And I, I often say that he's America's Winston Churchill. He is the George Washington of radio or the Alexander Hamilton of radio. And like our founding fathers, Rush's life lessons are timeless. They will continue on with all of us forever. And we wanted to be sure that people had that in their homes when they can't turn on the radio and hear him anymore. They can look at this book. They can refer to some of his words directly. And always he's relevant. He's always in their lives in some in some way. And just like a founding father, his words will carry on through us forever. That's so true. Radio's greatest of all time, Rush Limbaugh and Catherine Limbaugh and David Limbaugh. Uh, I want to encourage you strongly, folks. This is a real shot in the arm, this book. The timing couldn't be better. Go to Amazon.com. I have it on all my social platforms, but you can go there now. Radio's greatest of all time. When you were putting this book together, um, you know, and you said you wanted to you wanted to do this project, you embraced this project because Rush wanted to complete this. What was running through your mind? Well, you know what's funny? Rush was always approached with ideas, and I'll be as brief as I can. He was always approached with ideas, but one time in particular, Vince Flynn, the renowned author, a very good friend of ours, Vince Flynn, was at our home in Palm Beach in the library, and he brought this up to Rush. He said, Rush, you are on the radio every day, inspiring people, telling them how to improve their lives, telling them to think for themselves. You really should put together a best-of type of of book. And Rush, of course, being Rush, said, 
well, how can I possibly select from <laughs> such years of profound wisdom? And <laughs> that was years ago, and, and Rush really thought, this is going to be an administrative headache, and I can't possibly do it. Well, fast forward to 2020, times changed a bit, and I think he really wanted to reflect on his life. So we started this together, and I would spend a lot of, of time either in the library or at the radio program, or as I said, in hospital settings, and I would record him firsthand talking about his life. So some of what's included in the book is actually Rush talking about memories that I've recorded on an iPhone, which, as you probably know, he loved anything to do with technology and loved iPhones, so that to him was a real treat. And the funniest thing is that Rush always turned on. Anytime there was a microphone, it didn't matter how he was feeling, he could turn on like a light switch, and it was just, it was remarkably beautiful. So it became something that we did together, and in a way, I, I just carried on what he started. So I very much feel that these are Rush's words. This is what he wanted and planned to do. David and I just closed the, the chapter, so to speak, and, and put a bow on it. But this was very much Rush's, Rush's project that he started, and, and I hope that he's, he's happy with how we finished it. I don't know how he couldn't be. I mean, I'm telling you, I see a lot of books. I talk to a lot of authors. I read a lot of books. This is an enormously special book. And I speak as somebody that knew him for 25 years. Um, you know, I didn't hang out at the house, but I did know him for 25 years. It was, it, it was, a, it was a great, great honor to be at your wedding. It was so beautiful. And I know he adored you. And obviously you adored him. And I want to thank you for this. And I want to thank you on behalf of his listeners, because this really is not just a fantastic tribute to him. This is a very motivating book at a time when we need to hear from Rush. And you and David have accomplished exactly that. And that is a big deal. And I just want my audience to know, please get a copy for your friends, for your family. The holidays are coming up. But most important, the election's coming up. And this isn't just a book about politics. This is a book about one man's life and how he affected a nation and how he affected your families and, uh, and, and, and how important that is. And that's what, you know, you feel it. Let me ask you this. Did you listen to Rush before you met him? I did. I did. I, I listened to him Because it comes across. I, I did listen to him more and more and, and learned every single thing I possibly learned about him throughout his life. So in a way, I feel like I I was absorbing all of this for many years. We met almost 20 years ago, and um, and I did listen, but I, I certainly became more and more engaged as, as we went along. Well, I want to thank you for this and for everything else you've done. And, uh, thank you. And you're welcome to come on this program anytime. And, oh, thank uh, you, Mark. And Catherine, I, I wouldn't say, be here. Yeah, oh, for him Mark, either. I, thank you so much. And I know we're we're short on time, so I just want to say one quick thing again is that proceeds from this will benefit the families of fallen military heroes. This is not about selling books. It's it's really about getting incredible words from our George Washington of radio into the hands of as many people 
can have in, in their homes. And, and this book is really very much a textbook for conservative um, ideals and so forth. And I, I, I really think that people will be surprised. It's not a typical book in any way. It can serve as both a textbook, a coffee book, and, um, and just a beautiful tribute, I believe, to Rush in his words, as he would want mm-hmm. them said. I agree 100%. It's a fantastic book. Great job. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you can get it right now, Amazon.com. The book is Radio's Greatest of All Time. It's an easy title, and it's also true. (laughs) I I will say he didn't actually pick that title, but I believe he would agree with it. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. But it's correct. I mean, everybody looks up to Rush in this business, I can tell you that. And uh, again, you can get it immediately. Amazon.com. It'll deliver to you. I think it's out next week. Isn't that right, Catherine? It is on the 25th. It's available for pre-orders right now, and, and it's out in, in stores on the 25th. All right. Week, well, good say. luck, and God bless, and be God well. God bless you. Thank you so All much, right. Mark. You take care. Wow, wasn't that fantastic, Mr. Producer? First of all, she is so talented and so intelligent and uh, you can see where they really you know enjoyed each other and also when you start looking at this book you realize what a hole there is uh, among patriots in this country and conservatives and he would laugh at that last article that says drop the word conservative he'd say who's this guy but it is, uh, it's fantastic. I want to encourage you. It'll light up your day, I can tell you that, or your night even better. Radio's greatest of all time, Rush Limbaugh, with Catherine Adams Limbaugh and David Limbaugh, Amazon.com. Now, where am I, Mr. Producer? Oh, yes. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, uh, Rush has a great family, too. You just heard Catherine, uh, who was terrific. And, of course, David Limbaugh. You couldn't have a better brother than David Limbaugh. And in many ways, we're brothers. Uh, Same with Sean Hannity. Uh, But a wonderful family back in Missouri and I guess elsewhere now. I've met many of the members of the family. They are just terrific. Just terrific, one generation to the next. And Rush lived life to its fullest. He surely did. He knew how spectacular America was and is, and how lucky we are to be here. And what do you think he'd be saying to you today? He'd be saying to you, in 18 days, in 18 days we can save America and save the world. That it's up to you. And there's a lot worth saving. We talk. I talk. We talk a lot. It's not hard to vote in this country. In fact, it's remarkably easy to vote in this country. There's really no excuses, particularly in this election. Particularly if you love America and you're a patriot, and you are. 
please do everything you can to help win this election. Vote. If somebody needs help getting to a voting booth or getting a ballot, help them. Talk to your neighbors and your friends. You talk to them anyway. Now's the time. That's what he would tell you, I believe. We go to America every Friday in honor of you. Here we go. Don't forget, it's a great, it's a fabulous book. 
Radio's greatest of all time, Rush Limbaugh. Go to Amazon.com. You can get it or any of my social sites. I would order it immediately. You're going to really appreciate this book. Don't forget, Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, Life, Liberty, and Levin. It's a very, very important show prior to the election. If you can't watch it live, please set your DVRs right away. The week is officially over. The weekend begins now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and our trucker brothers and sisters. Good night, Spritey and Griffey. Good night, Pepsi and Zelda. Good night, Smokey and Gigi. Good night, Indian Patton. And good night, little Barney. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. Good night, Leo. Good night, Joe. And good night, America. <laughs> 